Welcome to Here We Are, the podcast where we talk about curiosity, fascination, and what makes us delightfully nerdy. I am your host for the day, Joy Bork. I am literally so excited about this episode. I have been a font slash typeface nerd since I started playing on computers around the age of four. I will come clean and say that I definitely had my era in grade school of using Papyrus and Comic Sans, but I will also point out that those were the days before those fonts were overused and became disgusting to my eyes. Anyways, on a recent recording of the other podcast I'm on, Parks and Rewatch, many of our listeners joined us to heckle, ask questions, and correct us when we've got our facts off. Marie makes it a point to come to as many of these recordings as she can, and I absolutely love it. So we're on this recording, and somehow we start talking about fonts. And that was it. That was the moment I knew that I had to interview Marie about fonts and typefaces and all the things. So without further ado... Here's my friend Marie to chat with us about typefaces. I'm Marie Dufour. I live in Omaha, Nebraska, and I work as a graphic designer. And as a graphic designer, what is something that you use all the time? Fonts, yeah. Wait a second. Graphic designers have opinions on fonts? Never. Okay, okay. So we can start it off with a fight that you and I have already had, but the world (laughs) has not witnessed our fight What is the actual worst font ever? Papyrus, obviously. How is Papyrus not as bad as Comic Sans or worse than Comic Sans? It's harder to read than Comic Sans. Comic Sans is the second worst in the entire world, but Papyrus is harder to read. And then there was some psychopath out there that decided to combine them and make Comic Papyrus. Yeah. Yeah. What a jerk. Okay, the other fight we've had is what font is appropriate for everyday documents? Personally, I don't feel like there's one single font that's appropriate for everyday documents, but just being lazy and using Calibri is not great. Right. Yes. Arial is also not great. I default to Arial. I feel like Helvetica is also kind of in that default zone. I mean, as long as as it's not Times New Roman, right? Yeah. Helvetica is great. Helvetica is my graphic design professor's favorite font. Okay. So one of the favorite swear words in the (laughs) graphic design community is to say, what the hell, Vedica? Have you watched the Helvetica documentary? Oh, but I need to. I've heard it's amazing. So good. Really good. Wow. Okay. When did you realize that you had an opinion about fonts? I started getting into graphic design when I was in high school. And I think it was probably around that time when I started really playing around with fonts. I mean, I'm a kid of the 90s, so I grew up with one of those honkin' Toshiba, like, yes, huge computers. And I would always play in paint, but I would also design books in Word and use Word art all over the place. (laughs) With the gradients. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Drop shadow outline. (laughs) So I think, I mean, I really started playing around with fonts back then. Of course, nowadays, I know better than to use word art. I think I started really having stronger opinions probably in college. 
what kind of books did you design? I loved creative writing, so I would write stories and design them. That's hilarious to me and amazing because when I was in high school, I wrote my own magazine. Oh, that's awesome. I did too. <laughs> what was your magazine called? I made two different ones and maybe it wasn't, in, it was actually in junior high. I made one with my friend for our homeschool group and it was like, <laughs> I don't know. We had everyone vote on what they wanted it to be named. I think it was called like the knickknack corner or something. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess it was a little bit more of a newspaper than a magazine, but it was just like, I don't know, fun little stories and games and jokes and fun things like that. And then I made another one for my family that was like Baker's corner. Cause our, my maiden name is Baker. And then it was like, I don't know, family stories and family updates and stuff like that. I made it in columns and I gave it all this, you know, justification and right. little clip art. <laughs> Microsoft Publisher? No, actually. I didn't even know that was a thing. Really? I, I should have used it. I used Nowadays, to get in like, InDesign, but I used to get in trouble for trying to print my own business cards by taping business cards to regular paper and then getting all of that jammed in the paper. Oh, no. it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. The hours my parents spent fixing the things that I somehow ruined or just, I appreciate them. Thank you, mom. Thank you, dad. Um, wow. Did you do photography for that too? Not at the time. No, I didn't really start getting into photography until college. I did a little bit of like nature photography. My dad taught me how to do photos when I was younger. And so I did some nature photography, but I never was super interested in doing like journalistic or people photography until college. That's so. so fascinating to me. Yep. It seems like even in the this short conversation, a lot of things you've already said are like, all of this happened once I hit college. Was right. that the big turning point? I mean, right before college was more where I started learning it more professionally. I took classes in high school and I really, I mean, like I said, I played with those book designs and that was in like grade school. So I did design stuff for a lot of my life, but actually knowing what was good design and what are good fonts and bad fonts and like caring about the sort of nerdiness part of it was probably in college. Yeah. Okay. So when you say good fonts and bad fonts, in your humble opinion, what are traits that make a font good? Legibility is the most important. I think the point of most typography, I won't say all, cause sometimes it's really just art, but most typography, the point of it is to be able to read it. So mm. if you're designing something for anybody else and you intend for them to be able to read the words on that page, then legibility is the most important thing. I would say, I don't even know what the second most important would be, but it's after that, it's kind of a balance of what's the style of what you're designing and who's the intended our audience. And it depends on the context, but you may not want every single document to look exactly the same. Right. If you're working in corporate America and you work for a company and you're creating business documents, then that's a little bit different because you do want consistency mm -hmm. and really clean design. And you want to pick a font that is your brand font and consistently use that throughout all your documents. But right. if you're designing a magazine or you're designing several different, like I do series art a lot for our church, you don't necessarily want all of those to look exactly the same. So then at that point you want something unique and you want it to not look like every other thing that somebody else made or with 
logos and brands like you don't want your logo to look like you did just use Helvetica even though it's a great font like you don't want someone to look at your font and go oh yeah I know what font that is but American Airlines did it (laughs) (laughs) there are lots of logos in lots of non-unique fonts but how do you know when you're prepping for a design like how do you know when the font is right because I catch myself just scrolling for forever being like eh When I do design projects, a lot of times I'll look on Pinterest or Behance or some other websites for inspiration and kind of look at other things that are in the same design style of what I am intending to get at the end of my project. So I'll use that to kind of guide my font choice. So I know that I want this design to be clean and modern. So I'm probably going to look at sans serif fonts. I'm not going to bother looking at the scripty ones. Or maybe I'm designing a wedding invitation for my friend. I want it to be fancy and scripty. So I know I'm only going to look at the scripty fonts. I don't even need to bother with the sans serifs. Okay, hold up. For people who aren't anywhere on the font nerd spectrum, can you please describe the difference between serif and sans serif? Yes. So I believe the words come from French. I know sans, which is actually sans, is French for without. My description of the word serif is those little teensy things on the edges of each letter that kind of stick out. So if you have the letter I and it has bars on the top and Mm. bottom, it's probably a serif. Mm. If you have the letter T and it has little dangly things coming off the little icicles. Yeah. The little icicles coming off of a T those icicles are serifs. So fascinating fonts that are serifs have those on a lot of their letters Fonts that are sans serif, again, sans is French for without, don't have those little icicle dangly thingies. So that's the two biggest categories of fonts. Are there rules of thumb of when to use a serif and when not to use a serif? Generally, yes. Ish. In general, you should not be using serifs on screens. Uh, Why? You don't use, because it makes it harder to read because of the pixelation. So because of how small serifs are, if you're scrolling through a website and, you know, font is kind of small, that can make it tougher for your eye to read through a line of text. So typically, if you're designing a website, unless you're making a few like splash titles, that's fine. You can do whatever. But if you're putting like a whole block of text on your website, it should be in a sans serif font. Do you have a favorite font? It depends on my mood. Or like a font that you end up coming back to often? Not necessarily because it's a brand font. Probably not. I think I work so much within our brand. That's more what I'm used to. That's what I go back to is our brand font. That Um, is a helpful thing. It saves a lot of time. It really does. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I do like our brand font. We changed our fonts a couple years ago and we use Proxima Nova now, which I mean is kind of a popular font right now. It's getting popular, but yeah. available on Adobe fonts. So anyone who has Adobe can automatically have it and not have to pay for it, which is awesome. That's really Um, cool. I mean, you pay for it with your expensive Adobe subscription, but (laughs) details, details. (laughs) How many fonts is too many in one document? Oh, in one document. I thought you were going to say on a computer and I was like, I have so many. (laughs) Uh, In one document, you should stick to two or three. Okay. It also depends on how much text is in your document. If there's not a lot of text, then don't get crazy. I'm really glad you said two to three because that makes my heart feel so much better. Two to three. And typically you want to make sure that they're pretty different as well. So like our brand fonts, we have one serif and one sans serif. So if you're designing a layout, 
you shouldn't have two sans serifs like they'll look too similar that's silly why would you do that pick a serif pick a sans serif and if you want to add something fancy scripty handwritten feeling one that's your third that's it so is this similar to color theory where it's to your benefit to use contrasting colors like a warm and a cool sort of i think it's all about visual hierarchy so if you have Tell me more <laughs> So visual hierarchy is like the importance of things on a page or layout or design based on how your brain, how your eyes respond to it. So if you're looking at a page and there is a big, bold title that's, you know, bigger than the rest of the text on the page, your eyes are going to go there first. So when you're designing and choosing fonts, you could choose a bolder font for the title or maybe something that's more scripty because it's only two words that you're putting in it and you're making that big and at the top. And then you have your whole entire article or passage or whatever. And that's a lot longer and you're going to be reading it for a longer amount of time. So you want it to be easier to read. So you might pick a simpler font, whether that's a serif or a sans serif. So that might help you like decide what fonts you're going to use on the page and where you wouldn't want to flip that and use a simple font for your title and then put your entire giant paragraph in script. Nobody's going to sit there and read that. That makes sense. When you are designing with fonts, how much of that is you just being like, mm, this looks good. And how much of it is like formulaic or like you're doing it because you think the audience expects it a certain way? Uh, half and half, maybe. Okay. I think I'm designing a lot of the time for the church that I work for. So we have a brand. So that would kind of be the, my audience is expecting it to look a certain way. We have fonts that we typically use. We have sizes that we typically use depending on where it's getting printed or displayed or whatever. But when I'm looking at like series art, we're not using that font necessarily. We're looking through some crazy cool fonts or whatever. Right. I just will, not I, bleeding cowboy. Just not bleeding cowboy <laughs> ever. Never. <laughs> I, that I was cool say, when I was in college. <laughs> That is a backpack of shame I carry because oh, I used no. it in high school and I thought it was so cool. And now I'm like, no, why? It was cool then. Yeah, it was. It's just the legibility thing. It's really hard to read. It is. Um, but yeah, so at that point, if I'm designing sermon series art, usually the sermon series title is two or three words max. So I can be creative with what font I choose for that. So I'll look through a couple different a couple different when I say a couple it's 50 different fonts <laughs> see it's, what fine. I think. it's fine <laughs> it's totally fine see what I think looks cool with the art and with the style that we're heading for and um yeah so then at that point it's it's a mix of my preferences and what the audience will expect that like, makes a lot of sense yeah I also think as for your like formulaic comment when it comes to designing like magazine layouts or anything that has a ton of text on it it does get really formulaic because you have grids and you have hmm. spacing you have spacing between the lines you have like proper font size general rule of thumb is 10 is about a good font size you can go down to eight but you really don't want to go smaller hmm. than that nobody's going to be able to read it but if you're producing like reader's digest senior edition then you probably need to be more like 14 16 point font that makes sense so it depends on your target audience and stuff like that but you do think through the formulaic of the size and spacing between the lines, stuff like that. You have too much space between your lines of text and your brain gets disconnected and you're like, wait, mm. 
that it's too close and your brain will skip over lines and then do wait, what's going on. Yeah. So there's definitely a formula to that and also a formula to the space between letters too. Science, man. Ew. Okay. What font have you seen in the wild that makes you cringe every time outside of Papyrus and Comic Sans? Dang it, I was going to say Comic Sans. <laughs> there is an auto body shop in town that uses Comic Sans. And I'm just Why? Like, That's okay. not, no. It doesn't. Because wasn't the purpose of Comic Sans to be like kid friendly? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's a comic. It's for comics. If you saw a comic drawn with Superman's quote above his head, it honestly probably wouldn't even bother me if it was in Comic Sans in that context. Because I think it would still bother me. Comics, maybe. I would know. Yeah, you would know. That was the intention. And nowadays, I would say it's acceptable for like kids things or in an elementary classroom, whatever. I'm not going to judge a teacher who uses it for their second grade curriculum. That's fine. Do whatever you want with your second graders. But yeah, not for an auto body shop. Like, does it look <laughs> professional or like... No, know. no. I think I've seen some shops that their their titles are in Ravy. It's like big and blocky with like there's a sideways oval inside of the R and it's very curvy and big. And I used to think it was really cool. How's it spelled? R-A-V-I-E. Oh, 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 I just found it. Yeah. Or Jokerman. Do you remember Jokerman? Oh my gosh, I use Jokerman. That has like all of the boxes and dots on the outside of the words. Pearls MT. Oh my gosh, Curls MT and bu- Brush it. Script MT? Yep. You're really getting down serious if you use Brush Script MT. So along the same lines, then, I would say probably the other font that bothers me when I see it in the wild, besides Papyrus and Comic Sans, is Bradley Hand. Oh, that gets used so much. It's a lot. It was literally... Oh no. It was on stage in the Super Bowl halftime show this year. No. Yeah, it was. And so I literally took a picture of it and sent it to one of my graphic design friends. And I was like, are they using Bradley hand right now? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I feel like there are certain demographics that tend to use the same fonts over and over again. I'm going to say this as kindly as I can. I feel like boomers think that Comic Sans is appropriate for everyday communication. I disagree. If you are a boomer and you would like to fight with me about it, please send me an email at herewearethepodcast at gmail.com. And I will loop Marie in and we will fight. Oh, gosh. There's a whole contingency of women's ministries that use, I think, Bradley Hand and a couple others in that vein. There's just, I like, wellness centers use papyrus. Mm -hmm. Yep. Kids' places use Comic Sans. Yep. Country bands use Bleeding Cowboys. (laughs) (laughs) If you guys don't know what these fonts look like, please pause this podcast and pull out your browser and just Google it. Your life may or may not be better for it. And you may or may not start seeing these everywhere around you. And you may or may not enjoy it. (laughs) Welcome to the dark side. (laughs) Some of the fun uh, parts of being married are pointing things out like that to my husband and him being like, I would have never noticed this before you. And now he'll notice things before me sometimes. Ooh. Billboard and he'll be like, Hey Marie, you probably don't like that billboard. Do you? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, you're absolutely right. That's so funny. Oh gosh. There's so many things I want to ask you. 
What, what do you wish people knew about fonts? What do people get wrong about fonts? They're not always free. Like, that is true. The, the ones that come on your computer, like along with Microsoft or whatever, are you can use them for whatever you want. But if you go online to just download a bunch of fonts, they're not all free. In fact, a lot of the ones on the free font website are actually free for personal use only. So oh. one, one thing that bothers me a lot is when I find templates or designs or something that someone a designer has downloaded a font a free font for and then it's only available for personal use and I'm like well yeah I have to replace this font then because legally I don't feel morally okay with using this font if I'm using it for a business purpose that's tricky so I mean that's something that bothers me in general in the graphic design community like overall people who aren't necessarily aware that stuff just because it's online isn't free that's the same with images fonts, stuff like that. People don't realize it's stealing, even though it's intellectual property. It's not the same as walking into your grocery store and stealing a Snickers bar. Right. But just because something's on Google does not mean that it's free. It belongs to someone. Someone took the time to design it or to photograph it, to edit it, whatever. So go about getting your fonts or images, etc. in proper legal manner. This has been a copyright PSA from Marie. (laughs) <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> another thing i'm passionately nerdy about <laughs> that's fantastic who has been a key part of your font journey probably professor howell he was my professor at ORU for all of my graphic design classes and a lot of my art degree classes i helvetica was his favorite font that <laughs> 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 at least guided me in appreciating simplicity and legibility and uh. like yeah clean feel of fonts and I spent the most time with him as far as my time learning about graphic design so he probably is the biggest impact on my font picking that's fantastic there's something I love so much about people whose flavor of nerd is font because I I do have opinions. I don't know everything about them, but I do have strong opinions and I don't, I can't necessarily tell you why I like or don't like something, but I can definitely tell you if I like it or I don't like it, especially with like lyrics on a screen. I have definite opinions about that. And yeah, we could go on about that for days. Well, one nerdy thing that I could contribute here before we move on is that fonts aren't actually called fonts. They're called typefaces. Oh my gosh. A font is actually whether or not it's bold, extra bold, semi-bold, italic, uh, light, whatever, all of those little extra words that you find at the end of some of your fonts. That's actually the font is the weight of it or the style of it. The font itself, what the general population would call the font, is actually called a typeface. So Proxima Nova is a typeface. I might use Proxima Nova Extra Bold, that font of it, as the header, and the rest of the text I might use Medium. That's Those are the fonts, but Proxima Nova is the typeface. So that is mind-blowing. Proper terminology. That is that worth the price said, of admission. <laughs> that being said, an average conversation, it's one of those things that you just call it a font anyways, because that's what... Because that's are. what the muggles call it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep. Oh, good conversation. Thanks, Marie. You're welcome. So here we are. 
It was so fun to let this part of my nerd shine forth with a fellow human who shares similar opinions to myself in most things. I'm still sticking with Arial as my default font for now, but you know what? We can agree to disagree. Secretly, I really hope that you all start seeing the typefaces that surround you differently and that you will become more curious and join us forever in our hatred of Comic Sans, Papyrus, Bradley Hand, and the like. It's a fun place to be. Marie, thanks again for your time and for lending us your nerd. All right, I've got to know, what is one of your flavors of nerd? How does it show up in your life? What does it look like? If you're open to sharing about it and possibly being featured on the podcast, send me an email at herewearethepodcast at gmail.com. Also, feel free to join the Here We Are community online by following Here We Are on our Facebook page and Instagram. If you're looking to go one step further and financially support what I'm doing with this podcast, head on over to patreon.com, search for Here We Are, the podcast, and sign up for one of the many quirky support tiers, like Loyalist Llama, because I love llamas, and I'm also a very loyal human. So if you're going to sign up for the Loyalist Llama spot, I would also assume that you like llamas and you are also a loyal human. So come join me. And until next time, don't forget that curiosity wins and the world needs more nerds. Bye.